single gentlemen's single gentlemen's single whom whomstevers humans 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 or if you identify as a lamp that's okay too lampins <laughs> i am Welcome, everyone. We are on, what, episode six? Episode six of Vibing with Vino. Crazy. Wild, I know. So exciting. Yes. So, I'm Rachel. I'm Caroline. All right, we didn't introduce ourselves last week. We did not. We said it at the end, but we did not say it at the beginning. Oh, well. Oh, well. I'm Rachel, and I'm Caroline, and... This week is all about wine. And wine pairings. Yes. Rach, what wine are we drinking this week? All right. So this week we are drinking a dry Riesling. So this week's dry Riesling is from Schmidt Sohn. I believe that's how you say it. It is from Germany. So it's the Schmidt Sohn Family Wines. It is a 2020 dry Riesling. And I'm excited to try it because I usually, I, Rieslings are usually a sweet wine. And I, like we've said before, Caroline and I both don't like sweet wines. So I'm excited to try a dry Riesling this week. Something that I really do appreciate is that they literally say dry Riesling on the label. Because when I saw it in the store, I also saw that they do have a normal Riesling too. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, most often Rieslings are on the sweeter side. Not as sweet as a Moscato, but they do tend to be sweeter. We have, like, as in, we as in my mom, my mom and I have found another Riesling that is on the drier side that we actually really like, but I have not explored Rieslings that much because they are sweeter. Same for me. But this one's dry. This one's dry, and that's what we're about to explore. So exciting. Yes. So. So let's pour a glass and. Let's cheers. Let's cheers. Now the good question is what we're cheersing to this weekend because quite frankly, February 9th, um, it's not that many important things going on. Not super exciting, but. No. It's National Pizza Day. It is. We love pizza. We do love pizza. So we can cheers to pizza. Cheers to pizza. It's Carol King's birthday. She's turning 78. That is important purely because my name was almost very similar to hers. And she is the reason that I was not named a different way. Because my grandma's middle name is King. And my mom wanted to name one of her kids or have one of her kids have like my grandma's name mixed into it. And so they were going to name me Caroline King. And then they realized that it sounds too much like Carol King. So that's how we got Caroline K. And now my full name is Caroline. First and last name is Caroline K. So (laughs) Carol King. Carol King. Caroline K. Caroline K. And then let's see what other random facts did I see about February 9th. Um, it's also read in the bathtub day. All right, cool. Go take a bath. It is the 40th day of the year. Exactly. All right, cool. That's also so Hershey's chocolate Hershey's chocolate company was founded in 1984 on this day. So While there's not one particular thing that we are cheersing to, there's a lot of random little things. It's a whole smorgasbord of cheers. Yeah. So, cheers to February 9th. Cheers to February 9th. And in addition to our February 9th selection of cheers, we can also cheers to our 
person from Black History of the Week. Yeah! Yeah. So each week of February, we since it is Black History Month, we are going to, Carolina and I are each going to highlight one important person from Black History. So Caroline, would you like to start this week? Yes, because I actually have two. Oh, overachiever. Okay. Oh, well, <laughs> we knew that from last week. Um, so I was sitting in class and I was thinking about it and I was like, who do I want to highlight? And I thought, what a perfect thing to do, but highlight the first black psychologist. As I am in a clinical psychology doctorate program and I didn't even know the answer to this question. So I educated myself and I'm going to educate all you guys. Wonderful. But, right? So the first African-American black psychologist was Francis Sumner. He was the first, (laughs) he was the first black person to ever graduate with a PhD in psychology. So he's sometimes referred to as the father of black psychology. That was all the way back in 1920. So psychology has been around for like way, 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 way long. But he was the first black psychologist. And he actually was one of the founders of the psychology department at Howard University, which is about 20 minutes away from me. Yeah. And isn't it a black university or was it a black university? I don't know. I just know where it is. Historically Black Research University. Oh, well, that makes it even cooler. Yeah. So my second is the first Black woman psychologist, who is Inez Beverly Prosser. She also graduated with a PhD in psychology. But unfortunately, she died in a car accident one year after graduating. Oh. Yeah. That is tragic. Yep. But in her little tidbit on the APA website, it says, during her career, she encouraged many Black students to pursue higher education, and her work was influential in the Brown versus Brown v. Board of Education Supreme Court decision. I love that. So, really cool, even though, unfortunately, her... Her career as a psychologist was pretty short-lived. Was cut short. All right. So that's, those are my two people. All right. I love that. Love that for you. Who are yours? <laughs> well, I, I just have one person. <laughs> or, yeah. What, who is yours? Yes. Um, so I have chosen for my Black person of the week, I have chosen Marsha P. Johnson. You know who that is? I don't think so. So Marsha B. Johnson is a huge public figure or was a huge public figure in the LGBTQ community. Okay. Um, She was a black transgender woman, an LGBTQIA rights activist, and she was an outspoken advocate for trans people of color. She was well known throughout the LGBTQ community in New York City. Um, and she is known as being one of the first people to riot it during the Stonewall Uprising in 1969. Wow. She later established the street transvestite, now known as the street transgender action revolutionaries, um, which is also shortened to the acronym STAR, uh, which was a group committed to helping homeless transgender youth in New York City. Cool. She was also a huge part of the AIDS activist group, which is called ACT UP. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, she unfortunately died at age 46. So her, yeah, but that is who I chose. And another interesting fact about Marsha P. Johnson is that when she changed her name to Marsha P. Johnson, the P, she said, stands for pay it no mind. And she would often use it in reference to her gender sexuality as if people were asking questions, she'd say, pay it no mind. Mind your own business. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Well, Rachel, 
Caroline. You know what I haven't asked you? What have you not asked me? On the podcast in a long time? Yes. How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing pretty good. Oh, good. Yes. Um, Yesterday was my official first day out of quarantine. Exciting. Yes. I'm feeling so much better. Thank goodness. Today. Did you breathe the fresh air? I actually was able to breathe a little bit today. (laughs) So that was nice. I left my house. I went thrift shopping. I had a very successful thrift shopping experience. Yay. And tonight I'm going out with a couple of my friends and we're going to music bingo. And I'm going to trivia. Yeah. Apparently apparently it starts um, earlier than we thought. Oh. So that's not very fun, but whatever. Okay. Such is life. How are you, Caroline? I am... Holding in there, this is going to be a very busy month for me for school, so I'm kind of dreading it, but at the same time, I recognize that I just have to prepare myself for it. I had my first exam of the semester today, nice. and that went quite well. I have my second exam in four days, Okay, <laughs> and then I have another one in six days. And then another one in six days. So very busy. Very busy month for Caroline. Yes. And on top of that, my brother is coming to visit next weekend. So I have to be a little tour guide. And on top of that, it's my other best friend's birthday this month. So I have to prepare for that. And... Yeah, it's just a hectic month for me. Apparently. But otherwise, I'm doing okay. Oh, good. Anyway. Anyway. It's a busy, busy, busy month for me, but we're hanging in there. It literally just started, so I'm enjoying it while it lasts. (laughs) Good. Good. Yes. All right. So, diving into the topic of this week, like I said. Since, yes, since Valentine's Day is coming up. Yes. We figured we would talk about some wine pairings. Yeah. Uh, Some wine pairings you can do for Valentine's Day or just any day of the week. In general. (laughs) Any day of the week. It doesn't have to be Valentine's Day. It doesn't have to be special. It can be Valentine's Day if you want to cook for you and your ladies. Or it can be Sunday night when you're all alone in your pajamas, drinking some wine, making yourself a nice dinner because you get to Deserve, you deserve to be treated good by you, too. Yeah, self-care. So important. So important. All right. Major emphasis. But there are a couple other things other than pairings. I did come up with a few other things about wine to talk about. I would love to know more. Yes. So my first, my idea that I had to talk about for this week is that there's a lot of wines that nobody's ever, not many people have ever heard of or that not many people know that these wines are just as good as the mainstream ones. Um, and so I came up with a list of, of, of a couple very basic wines that almost everybody knows and then wines that are very similar to those wines that, like, if you like this wine, you should try this wine because it's very similar, but it's a little different, and you might be able to expand your wine palette and explore a little more for yourself. Very fun. Yeah. <clears throat> so the wines that I will be giving try this to, I have Champagne, Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, Merlot, and Cabernet Sauvignon. So many. Can I guess what the champagne one is? I feel like I know it. I think you might know it because I've definitely talked about it before, but go ahead. And I totally know it. Yes. Is it Cava? It is Cava. Look, I knew something about wine. Yay. I've taught you so much. Are we so switching much. positions on this podcast? Um, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're there yet. 
But I've taught you so much. I'm so happy. So, what about kava? How is it similar to champagne? It's bubbly. It is bubbly. <laughs> so that's what I know. Kava is similar to champagne in that it is made the same way that champagne is made. Obviously, not from Champagne, France, because it can only be called champagne if it's from Champagne, France. But it's also made with different grapes. Cava is usually known to be a Spanish sparkling wine. And the main grape that I found that is in Cava is a grape called Macabo or Masabo. I don't know the exact pronunciation, but it's... It's spelled, Do you want to spell it? Yeah, M-A-C-A-B-E-U. So, kava, it is also usually dry like champagne is, and it tends to have flavors of lime, yellow apple, chamomile, and almond. Huh. That is just at the very basic level. But it's high in acidity and low in sweetness. So, if you like champagne, try kava. That is my suggestion. Next wine I have picked out is a Pinot Grigio. Everybody loves a good Pinot Grigio. Pinot Gris. My mom's favorite. Yes. Oh, what? Is there a difference between Pinot Grigio and Pinot Gris, or is it just... No. Um, I think it's just where it's from. I think it also depends on what the winery wants to call it. It's There's no difference between Pinot Gris. there was a difference. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't sure. But there's also a wine called Pinot Blanc which is different from Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio. Okay. Um, But for Pinot Grigio, I did not choose a Pinot Blanc as the substitute. I have chosen a wine called Torontes, which is an Argentinian wine. Hmm. Yes. So Torontes. I remember that one. Yeah. That's the whole point. (laughs) So Torontes is Argentina's very own white. It can tend to smell sweet, but it's usually dry, and it makes a great match to savory dishes um, and dishes that feature exotic spices, fruit, and aromatic herbs. Alrighty. So it is about the same body sweetness and acidic level as a Pinot Grigio, which is why that I thought it would be a good substitute. Cool. Yeah. So if you like Pinot Grigio, try Torrantes. What's next? If you like Chardonnay, mm. I would try a wine called Viognier. I've had one of those. Have you? Yeah. Um, at one point during quarantine, my mom and I got one of those like wine subscription boxes and we plugged in all of our, you know, preferences and whatnot, and they sent us one of those. And I remember, actually, so I don't remember if it was this one or if it was a different one, but one of the wines had banana as one of the flavor notes, and my mom and I hate bananas, <laughs> so it it was a really strange one, but I feel like we liked that one, so it must have been a different one. But that's the one that's like V-I-O-G-N-E-R, right? N-I-E-R. That. Yeah. Yes. So I've, I've had one. I just can't remember if it was the banana one that I didn't like or if we liked it. But I'm pretty sure we liked that one. Yeah. I've had it once before. I did it. I used it as a wine for a tasting for one of my, one of my wine classes when I was still in school. Um, and... I remember really liking it. I know I paired it with like a meal, but I don't honestly remember what I paired it with. Um, But I remember actually really liking it. It is kind of like a Chardonnay in the fact that if you ever have drink like a Chardonnay, have you ever noticed it's like a thicker body to it? I really don't think I've ever had a Chardonnay because my mom hates. Okay. Hates them. So they were never in the house. Yeah. Well, Chardonnays usually tend to have like a, if you're like thinking texture wise, it's a little thicker. Okay. Like not, it would be like drinking milk over water kind of thing. Oh, interesting. 
Yeah, so that kind of like difference in mouthfeel. But Viognier is a rich, oily white wine that originated in northern Rhone, which is a region in France, and is rapidly growing in popularity in the U.S. and Australia and beyond. And it is often aged in oak, similar to Chardonnay. Cool. So, Viognier might tend to be a tiny bit sweeter and a little bit less acidic than a Chardonnay might be. And it might have a little more fruity citrus flavors than Chardonnay, which tends to have more buttery, oaky, vanilla flavors to it. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, if you like Chardonnay, try Viognier. Next up is Merlot. So for Merlot, I have chosen the Try This Grape as a Grenache. Grenache is a very rich red, tends to be high in alcohol content, so it produces very rich and flavorful wines um, and can produce deep ruby-tinted rosés. And it is the most important variety in some French blends. It has high intense flavors and is really good paired with meats and exotic spices. Fun. So it's a little bit higher in alcohol content than a Merlot would be, but it's around the same like body and tannic and acidic levels and sweetness level because it's they're both very dry. Okay. But it's also primarily grown in France and in Spain. Fun. So, if you like Merlot, try Grenache. And so, the last, if you like this, drink this, is for a Cabernet Sauvignon. So, if you like Cabernet Sauvignons, I would suggest drinking a Malbec. And I know that's not super, like, different or out there or unheard of, but I feel like a lot of people... Have there? I feel like I've met a lot of people that haven't tried Malbec before. Malbec's a bit different because it's a little le- lower on tannins, um, and it's a has a shorter finish, usually. Um, but it is also a good choice for like red meats and like blue cheese and. I'm that surprised kind of that's stuff. not more of a dupe for Pinot Noir. No. Because Pinot Noirs are, have a lighter body and uh, Cabernet Sauvignons and uh, Malbecs are like very heavy bodied. Yeah. I am so, shocked that I knew so many of those. I know. I'm so proud of you. Thanks. Yeah. So that is my, if you like this, try this. List. Super fun. Yes. So now we're going to get a little bit more into pairing wine and food. Since we just gave you all of the wine options, now we have to talk to you about the food, right? Of course. That's the second most important part. You know, (laughs) this is a wine podcast. We have to say that the wine is the most important part. Of course. Of course the wine is. So I pulled up the Wine Folly wine and food pairing basics to kind of just give a little background on what you want when choosing what wine to pair with food. Yeah. And then Rachel will later go into more of like specifics. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to do the basics. Yeah. Because I don't know as much as Rachel. That's okay. You're learning. I'm here to teach you. I'm here to teach everyone. Exactly. So the first tip for pairing wine and food is that the wine should be more acidic than the food. And in the second tip, it also says that the wine should be sweeter than the food. So when choosing your wine, you want it to be more acidic, but also sweeter than the meal that you're eating. Yes. Which is interesting Because I feel like a lot of people talk about pairing wine with desserts. Mm -hmm. 
but I feel like I wouldn't want to drink a super sweet wine with a sweet dessert. So I was shocked when I read that second one. So I think dessert hits a little bit different because it's not always like dessert is it's different than like eating a meal. Yeah. It's, it's dessert. It's supposed to be sweet. So I feel like dessert, I feel like sometimes you just want to keep drinking what you're drinking and you can find a way to pair a dry wine with dessert. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But I'm trying to like, if you're having like, I'm trying to think of like a sweet food. Chocolate cake. Food, not dessert. Oh, um, French toast. In what situation would you be drinking wine other than a mimosa? Rachel! With French toast. Okay. (laughs) Um, Oh, my mom and I, we make this chicken dish that is a little bit on the spear side because you put sugar in the tomato sauce. Okay. So then I would drink like a, maybe a Pinot Noir because it's a little bit lighter and can it's be a little bit sweeter. Queen Elizabeth chicken. Mm, okay. It's, it's one of my favorite meals. All right. So good. I'll, we'll have to make it together. Yes, please. But yeah. Going on. More tips. Moving forward. They also say that wine should have the same flavor intensity as the food. So if you're eating a pretty mellow flavored meal, you don't want to drink a wine that's like super pungent, prominent in your face because Mm -hmm. then it just overshadows the food. So they say that red wines pair best with bold flavored meats, meaning more of the red meats. And then white wines tend to pair best with light intensity meats. So more of the fish or chicken. Mm Mm-hmm. It also says bitter wines, which they specify as red wines, are best balanced with fat. So if you're drinking, if you're eating more of a fatty meal, then you may want to drink something that's a little bit more bitter to kind of combat the fatty food that you're eating, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of times when pairing wine and food, it's kind of like an opposite attract situation. Sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like on the same level of intensity. Yeah. Yeah. The next tip is that it is better to match the wine with the sauce than with the meat. Yeah. So I guess if you have more of a bold flavored sauce, but let's say that you're using chicken Since you have more of those bold flavors going on, you're going to want to pair it with a bold flavored wine, but vice versa. If you have something that's more like a more mellow sauce, you're going to want to pair the wine with that. Yeah. I'm assuming because the sauce has more flavor than the meat does. Mm -hmm. So the next tidbit says that more often than not, White, sparkling, and rosé wines create contrasting pairings. And their definition of a contrasting pairing is that it creates balance by contrasting tastes and flavors. So I guess that's more of the opposite attracts. Yeah. So I would agree. It's more of the opposites attract. Yeah. So that's exactly what you were saying. But then the last point that they said is that more often than not, Red wines will create congruent pairings, which means that it creates a balance by amplifying shared flavor compounds. So it's less of that opposites attract, but more like... Finding similar flavors between the wine and food. Yeah, it's kind of like similar emphasizes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are kind of some of the pairing tips that they say. They typically say that red wine is more bitter, not as acidic, and typically not as sweet. White sparkling and rosé wines tend to be very acidic, not as sweet, 
and not as not nearly as bitter. And then sweet wine really takes over that sweet aspect. Still has some acidity in it, but it's definitely not as bitter. So that is your little basics guide to food pairings. And now Rachel will get into more specifics for that Galentine's, Valentine's, singles, ladies, meal Single gentlemen. Single gentlemen. Single whomstevers. Humans. 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 Or if you identify as a lamp, that's okay too. <laughs> Lampins. <laughs> uh, oh boy, okay. What? <laughs> Alrighty, so I chose five of the most popular wines that I also gave, if you like this, drink this, options for, um, to come up with some food pairings to go along with it. Um, so I've chosen Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, Rosé, Cab Sav, and Pinot Noir. Okay. So starting off with Pinot Grigio's. They tend to be medium to low sweetness, higher in acidity, and a low low in the body. So they're a little bit less intense. Um, they're known to be zesty and pair really nicely with white meats, seafood, um, and foods with a fruit element. So I was thinking that this would be really paired really nicely if you wanted to make a fish dinner. Yeah, I was thinking like tilapia. Yeah, I didn't come up with a fish, but I I had written down, I had wrote down white fish. I was just thinking, I feel like Pinot Grigio would pair really well with white, exactly white fish. So like tilapia, yeah. cod, it does pair well with salmon too, which is not white, yeah. but it's still pretty mellow. Yes. And even shrimp. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I was thinking for a meal you can make, it would be like a white fish cooked with some like pepper, a little bit of lemon, um, just like very basic seasonings, but either grilled or baked, but also with like a side of like an arugula salad with like, or like mandarin oranges or like some kind of citrus slices and, or like a citrus uh, vinaigrette with shredded manchego. Because manchego is more of like a mild, hard, che- harder cheese. So it would pair, manchego pairs really well with Pinot Grigio. And so our combined suggestion is a tilapia, a grilled tilapia with a citrus salad and shredded manchego. Yum. Delicious. This is making me hungry. I know. Anyway, next up is Chardonnay. So Chardonnay is known to be medium body, medium acidity, low in sweetness, higher in alcohol, but it has, tends to have like either oaky or buttery flavors to it, and it's usually a bit thicker. And so I actually just made this last week, this food last week. It was a soup. So I think the Chardonnay would pair really nicely with the soup. I made it with um, mushrooms and onions, sautéed them. You don't have to add the mushrooms if you don't like it. Caroline's making a face. (laughs) Um, But this is just how I made it. I made it with mushrooms and onions sautéed, added a little bit of wine to deglaze so you could deglaze with some Chardonnay. Of course. Um, and then I added all the spices that I want. And since Chardonnay is more mellow in flavor, you can add more spices and it would still be, it would pair nicely with more spices. Um, not super intense, but just a little more. And then I added potatoes and two, like a can of cream of chicken to it. Okay. And then what would also be really nice in that soup would be like some cut up celery or some other vegetables that you like. Um, you can really make it however you like, but it needs to be a little bit creamier. So I would definitely add the cream of chicken or cream of vegetable or whatever. 
Um, and I really like the potatoes in it. So that kind sounds- of just like make your own soup. But when I was thinking of what to pair with Chardonnay, I was like, wait, that soup that I made would be really nice paired with a Chardonnay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So if you're a fan of soup, because gorgeous, gorgeous girls love soup. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe try a Chardonnay or a Viognier with soup for ah. your V-Day. Viognier on V-Day? I Ooh. like that one. I like that one. So I'm going to skip over rosé because I came up with a couple options for rosé. So we'll come back to that. Okay. Um, so next up I have Pinot Noir. Yum. And so like I said earlier, your chicken, queen chicken, whatever it was. Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth. Chicken. Queen Elizabeth chicken. I wrote down tomato chicken. Like chicken How and funny. tomatoes. Yeah, so that so essentially to give context because no one knows what the heck Queen Elizabeth chicken is, it's literally like the sauce is it's very cream based and then you also cook it with like whole plum tomatoes. So it's not like a tomato sauce. But it's also not like a vodka sauce, but it's not like an Alfredo sauce. But you also add some sugar to it. It's a little bit sweeter. And then we typically will bake the chicken or just like pan sear it and then just top it with that sauce with some pasta, rice, just with veggies, zucchini noodles, so many things. And it's so good. I I really should make it here. Yeah. So I think that would be paired really nicely with Pinot Noir. Well, there you go. Next pairing is Cabernet Sauvignon. And so when I was looking up like what Valentine, what, what do people eat or what do people want to make for Valentine's Day? One of the top options is like a filet mignon. Oh, okay. And so I think a really nicely well-prepared filet mignon, whatever side you like, if it's like green beans, if it's whatever, broccoli, mashed potatoes. It's my favorite red meat. Yeah, it's good. Because Cab Sav has more bold flavors and a little bit earthy, a little bit fruity, I think it would pair really nicely with a filet mignon. And for the final pairings of the night, we have rosé. So I felt that rosé is a very Valentine's Day drink. It's pink and happy and lovely. Dirty, and flirty, and thriving. Dirty, flirty, and thriving, <laughs> even though we're 22. We're flirty and thriving. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I came up with a couple of ideas for rosé. Rosé can vary a lot in their flavors because they can be made from a couple different wines. They can be made by blending wines. Um, They can be sweet. They can be dry. They can be light. They can be dark. Rosés have a really wide spectrum. So, because rosés has such a wide spectrum of flavors, they can be paired with a lot of different things and still taste really well, or still taste really nice. First option is just a cheese and charcuterie board. How have we not mentioned cheese yet? Right? It's you! We haven't mentioned cheese. Well, we did mention, mention Manchego. We did mention Manchego. But honestly, I'm surprised that we haven't talked more about cheese. That's okay. Well, maybe we'll do an episode just on wine and cheese. Oh, goodness. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to complain. All right. So just the basic, a cheese and charcuterie board would pair really nicely with any rosé. You could base the cheese that you get off of the rosé that you get if it's sweeter or drier and... Everybody loves a good cheese and charcuterie board. It's like a classic. So, cheese and charcuterie board, first pairing for rosé. My second pairing suggestion 
would be some kind of salmon, salmon, rosé, both pink, good Valentine's Day meal, um, could be cute, I don't know, however you want to prepare it. Um, For the salmon, I made a honey Dijon pretzel crusted salmon that I think would pair really well. That could be good with like a darker rosé. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sounds delicious. Yeah. So. Love that. You know, just me being a Michelin star entrepreneur, Inventor. Inventor. Anyway, another really classic meal that I thought would be good with a rosé is uh, pasta carbonara. Okay. So with the egg, cheese, and um, like bacon usually. So it's like really creamy and it has a little bit of like the bacon and has the meat thrown into it a little bit. So I thought that would be really nice paired with a rosé. So it might like balance with the acidity of the wine and the creaminess of the dish. I thought that would be good. Cool. And then my last option for a rosé would be a prosciutto and like fig flatbread. Ooh, Some like really yum. nice fancy flatbread, right? With um, burrata. Ooh, with burrata. That would be good. Yeah. I was singing goat cheese and like caramelized onions, maybe. Mm, yeah. There's a lot of yeah, yeah, ways yeah, yeah, yeah. to make it. Yeah. No, not with goat cheese. The burrata and the caramelized onions with the prosciutto yeah. and the ooh. Big. And maybe a little bit of honey. Honey drizzled over. Hot honey yeah. drizzled over. Hot honey. I do love hot honey. Mice hot honey. <laughs> You're lovely. So good. Love Mike, I so love good. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I thought that was that was a good last pairing for Rose because I was like really excited about that one. Yeah, this isn't fair now. Like <laughs> I'm I'm genuinely mad that neither of us ate before this. Yeah. Because now I'm just hungry and upset that I can't eat the food that we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That so. is <laughs> Yeah, sad, but anyway, those are my pairing options. Well, those are well, those are our good. pairing options. Yeah, those were some. Of course, there's so many more to go through. Yes. These were just some ideas for if you were deciding to cook dinner on Valentine's Day. Exactly. We're sparking conversation here. Exactly. But the main thing to remember is that this does come out before Valentine's Day. So this is almost like the reminder. If you haven't figured out Valentine's Day yet, figure it out. Yeah. Here you go. So we talked about all of these wine pairings. Shall we talk about the wine that we're actually drinking today? Yeah. Yeah. The dry Riesling. All right. So again, we are drinking the dry Riesling. And... I don't know. Caroline, thoughts? Do you like it? Do you not like it? I like it. I like it too. I definitely get the acidity in this. Yes, for sure. So I think that's pretty unusual for Riesling due to the fact that most Rieslings are on the sweeter side. No? No, because it can be sweet and acidic. Maybe I shouldn't have spoken. <laughs> no. no, 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 that's okay. You you don't know. You've never had a sweet Riesling because you don't like sweet Rieslings. But sweet and acidic are two different components. Oh. So they're not one and the same. Okay. So it's not like it's either sweet or it's acidic. It can be both. Okay. Like when you're ta- like an orange is sweet, but it's also acidic. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, regardless, I definitely get the acidity yes. in this Riesling. Mm-hmm. I do like it. I mean, I don't think I can really pick up any of the notes. I'm hoping that as we continue this podcast, I may be able to do that better. But um, maybe some apple, like green apple? Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Good job. I'm so proud. <laughs> Maybe a little lemon? Yeah. Like, I feel like the lemon is where I'm getting the acidity. Because I'm thinking of, like, if I were to bite into a lemon, 
I feel like I would almost get similar vibes. I feel like it's like lemon with a touch of lime. Like it's not quite fully lemon, but it's definitely not fully lime. It's like a tiny little squeeze in a bowl of lemon juice. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, other than that, I really can't pick up anything else. (laughs) But I think for my rating, I'm going between like a 3.5 and a 4. Okay. I think I would give it a 4. All right. I would definitely drink it again. I think this one would also be really good, you know, not to talk about what this episode was about, but I think that this one would be really, really good paired with something. That's actually something that I wanted to talk about with this wine. I figured you and I could come up with a pairing for it together. Oh, that would be smart. Yeah, I think that this wine would be a great pairing wine because it is acidic. And I think that this one definitely is good standalone, but would be better with a meal. Yeah. So what, I I would agree. What do you, before I get into my thoughts, what do we think it could be good paired with? I feel like chicken. A chicken dish. I would say a creamy chicken. I was thinking, like, the first thing that came to mind was maybe, like, chicken Alfredo. Yeah. Something that's got, like, the mellow cheesiness. You know, you don't want something that's going to overpower it. But the cream would really balance out that acidity. The chicken mm-hmm. would just pair really well with it. I feel something like that. Yeah, I completely agree. And even if it was like served over pasta too. Yeah, like a chi- like a chicken out chi- chicken out chicken fettuccine alfredo. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. And maybe like maybe like with Brussels sprouts mm. or like some kind of green thrown into it. I feel like I wonder if this would be good with Brussels sprouts because the acidity is very like punchy. And Brussels sprouts have, like, a very here-I-am kind of flavor. Yeah, but I would agree. So, I, I'm i so proud. You did so well analyzing this wine. Yay! I'm so proud. You got the citrus and the green apple, the acidity, first of all. I, I'm just so proud. And the whole pairing, you did so well. Look at I, me! I'm such a, I'm such a proud mama. Yay! Um, I completely agree with everything that you said. I think also it's like slightly floral. Like I'm getting a slight floral notes. I have never been able to pick up a floral note in wine. And I think that's because I'm allergic to a lot of florals. Yeah. So I just like don't sense them a lot. Yeah, that's okay. What floral like- though? I don't know. I don't know what kind of fruity or floral. That's the hardest thing for me to differentiate is like between florals. But it's like, you know how like springtime smells <laughs> when you walk outside and everything's in bloom? It's like slight. It's got like a slight bit of that. Interesting. Anywho. The back of this bottle said, oh, mine's a 2019. Oh, so I just noticed two, that. I have a 2020. Whoa. So yeah, mine says on the back of it, 2019 dry Riesling. That is language I don't understand. For more than a century, our family has dedicated ourselves to crafting world-class Riesling from Germany. This wine delivers crisp green apple, honeysuckle, and citrus flavors Balanced by notes of bright minerality. Pour a glass to enjoy on its own or with sushi, creamy pastas, or pork dinners. I'm going to be eating sushi right after this. And I was thinking, we were talking about creamy pastas. Wow, we did good. We did good. What the heck? And it gives us. I told you, I'm so proud of you. Wow. It, It also gives us a 
scale of dry to sweet. And it is, it's like, so between dry and medium dry, it is about a fourth off of medium dry. So this one is not like severely dry, but it's dry. Yeah. But yeah. Wow. I didn't even think to look at the date of mine because I was like, oh, it's probably the same as Rachel's. But no, mine's a 2019 actually. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's usually... It probably tastes pretty similar. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was a... I I had fun. This was fun. I had fun too. I think it's really cool because we got to learn a little bit more while we were chatting. Yeah. And... I don't know. I feel like on top of the world since I got all those notes so on point. I know. I'm so proud. You you said a couple episodes ago that you were like, I'm always better at like picking out the flavors in white wines. And honestly, I it's am. True. It's true. I am. The only thing that I can really pick out in red wines is like if it's smoky. Yeah. That's it. Well, I'll help you. Thanks. We'll get better. Yeah. Anywho, I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this episode. We definitely had fun making it. And we are so excited for what's to come next. I know next week, since it is the two days after Valentine's Day, we figured we would continue our little love chat. And we're going to talk. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit more about love languages. Yes. Because why not? So we're going to chat a bit about that. You'll learn more in that episode. As always, follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on TikTok, even though we still have not (laughs) posted anything on TikTok. If you have any ideas for TikToks that we can do. From long distance. Send us a message on Instagram because we're really struggling to come up with ideas. But regardless, you can still follow us there. You can follow us on Instagram. You can share it to all your friends because we definitely want to have other people start listening to us and joining us in the world of wine. And lastly, you can follow us on Vivino where you can see what wines we rated. Oh, wait, you never gave a rating of this wine. Oh, I, you're right. Um... I think I would also give it a four. I really liked it and I was kind of surprised because I obviously don't drink Rieslings yeah, either because right? they're usually sweet. Um, but it it was, I thought it was really good and I, I would absolutely drink it again and I would want to try it with a pair, like paired with something. Agreed. So yes, I we both gave it a four. Cool. Yes. But yes, on Vivino, you can see how we rate our wines each week. And what wines we drank that week. Exactly. Um, And our couple of notes about it. Yeah. And otherwise, you can just join us back here next Wednesday for another episode. For Wine Wednesday. For Wine Wednesday. For Wine Wednesday. Absolutely. So I hope everyone has a wonderful, lovely day night a happy february 9th even though nothing significant happened in history this day a happy february 9th and with that rachel and i are gonna go do different activities (laughs) yes all right well see ya bye